Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know, I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. When you're going to ask for a raise, and I don't care, it doesn't have to just be a little bit, right? Let's just say you know, you've been there for two years and you want a $50,000 increase in pay. I don't know what it is. Do the math, right? If you can show, let's just say that you bring in, you know, two and a half million dollars for your company. And this is where I say, knowing your worth is not just about, oh, well, this is what I want to make. And I have 10 years of experience. I'll tell you that like bullshit doesn't matter to somebody across the table. If you're telling me you can produce a million dollars, $2 million, whatever it is for the business, your value goes through the roof. It's your responsibility to know the value and how much money and revenue that you're generating and use that to your favor as far as I'm concerned. 
Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. I want to give a shout out to Nat, who recently left a review for the show. Nat says, I really enjoy Shauna's approach to discussing finances and the empathy she demonstrates for people in very... I want to give a shout out to Nat, who recently left a review for the show. Thank you so much, Nat. You said, I really enjoy Shauna's approach to discussing finances and the empathy she demonstrates for people in varying situations. Money can be so complex and emotional, and she's sure to touch on that point often to remind the listener that we don't need to feel bad about money despite what outside pressures may have us thinking. So many shows fail to address that life keeps happening no matter where you are in the journey, but Shauna highlights the human side of finances. I am so happy, Nat, that that's what you get from the show. This just encapsulates everything that I want everyone to get from the show because this is, you're right, it's complex. It's emotional and we do not have to feel bad about money. We do not have to feel bad about whatever situation we're in. If you're in debt, if you're not, if you're struggling to get your business to grow, gosh, if you've been laid off from your job or if something great has happened to you, right? You do not have to feel bad about your situation. So I want to give a shout out on the show to you. Go ahead and leave me a review if you've not done so already. You can head to etmpod.link slash review, and I would love to highlight your review on an upcoming episode. It is National Let's Talk Money Day. It's also my 10-year wedding anniversary today, if you're listening to this episode on the day that it comes out. But let's focus on the money part. Talking money is what we do every week here on the show, so I'm just thrilled that there's actually a day dedicated to my mission of making talking about money mainstream. And what Nat says, helping you all not feel so bad about your money situation. There are so many different topics we could talk about on Let's Talk Money Day, but if I had to pick one topic that I think is critical to your money success, it would be getting paid for your value. This is something that our guest, Anne Malham, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, business owner, and philanthropist, knows something about. She was raised in a working class family. There's very little in Anne's childhood that would actually indicate she would one day be one of the most successful founders in the fitness industry. She's a true self-made success story. Anne's entrepreneurial ventures have resulted in a personal net worth of over $100 million and an impact on thousands of lives. In her new podcast, How To with Anne Malham, she has been interviewing top business minds and influential people and really digging into how their success strategies can be adopted by others. But on this Let's Talk Money Day, Anne wants to equip you with the how-tos behind getting paid for your value. We talk about how to adopt a money practice, how to figure out the monetary value that you bring to your company so that you can get paid more, and why we should all stop demonizing money. All right, here we go. Let's start talking money. And welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. So good to have you with us. Thank you. I'm excited to talk money, Shana. <laughs> Fantastic, because that's the name of the show. And <laughs> we're here. This is National Let's Talk Money Day, which just feels um, and amazing that there is actually a holiday around this. So we're going to bring money out of the shadows and we're going to talk about something that's really important. I think it's getting paid what you're worth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I've learned over the years, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this too, but what I've learned over the years is that 
getting paid your worth, it really starts with you and it starts with honoring your skills and your talents and your self-worth and and confidence. And I know you have this amazing story. You started this Pilates business in 20, to 2007 with, with $0, which is very brave. And you grew it to uh, an $88 million business and sold it. So and I've got to know, like, how did you find the confidence to launch a business when you didn't have any money in savings? Well, so a couple of things. One, 2007 is when I um, actually launched my nonprofit. And then th- 2013 was when Solid Core launched. So about actually 10 years ago, almost to the date from this conversation, it launched November 2nd, 2013. But Shana, when I was uh, 2007, when I started my nonprofit, I didn't have any money like zero. I was in credit card debt and, you know, didn't know a lot about money. And I think that's where a lot of us default to is just like, well, I don't know a lot. So therefore I'm never going to know a lot. It's kind of like as adults, like whenever I ask my adult friends, if they want to go skiing, they're like, oh, I don't know how. And I'm like, well, that's not what I asked you. We sort of somehow think after a certain age that we're never allowed to either learn anything new. If I don't know it by now, I'm never going to know it. And if that's your attitude about money, I think life is going to be harder for you than it has to be. It's everybody's responsibility to learn about money. And self-education is is frankly how I did it. Um, and I, it's, you know, over time, my relationship with money, of course, has evolved. But I, you know, what you said earlier was realizing, oh, I can make as much money as I want to. And I first have to start with telling myself that. Yeah. So I, I tell us, like, I, I'm wondering, you know, there's somebody listening who is like, okay, you've had this amazing success story. So you're kind of speaking to us from the other side of the fence a little bit. But let's say we're in a place where we we want to start a business or we want to make a bold move, but maybe the numbers don't add up. Like they they don't make sense on paper. How can we find the courage or the confidence to to chase after something that feels really important or exciting to us? So I sort of I'll tell you where I started and where my journey was. So again, when I was 26, 27, I didn't have a dime to my name started my nonprofit. I didn't need a whole lot of money to start that. I asked a lot of support from filing my own nonprofit and then raising the money and and whatnot. But over the course of building that organization, um, you know, I started to put money away, which was something I really hadn't done before. I feel like I was didn't have any extra money to put away because I was living paycheck to paycheck. And I realized when I was telling the story about my nonprofit, people would be like, oh my God, that's really amazing. Can you come and speak for us? And I remember the moment where I was like, yes. And my speaking fee is $5,000. And they were like, okay. And I'm like, what? Like, who's going to pay me $5,000 to do what I've been doing for free for the last like few years? And that was a really big like, oh, aha moment for me of I determine my worth. And so over those next few years, Jenna, I kind of built my speaking business and I just told people, and now my speaking fee is $20,000, but I just sort of demanded what I thought my value was and tested the waters a little bit. And then with that money, I just put it away. And I saved money, not for the pure reason to save money. And this is really important because I've, I've read a lot about money and I have an experience with having no money to now building, you know, a hundred million dollars of net worth for myself is like, 
the more you put away money and don't trust yourself to make money, you're always going to have a scarcity mindset about money. And what I mean by that is you're teaching yourself the only way to have it is to never spend it. And that when you get to 60 and 70 years old and you've stockpiled money away, all you've done was reinforce money is meant to be saved. Money is not meant to be spent. I don't know how to make any more money. The only way to have it is to never spend it. And I think most people want money because they want freedom and opportunity and able to sort of do what they want when they want. So if you're stockpiling money, you're going to create a situation where you're handcuffed to that way of thinking. So my first advice is twofold. It's it's you got to figure out a way to make more money. Right. So let's just say you have a nine to five guys, get a side gig like Solid Core, the company that I had sold recently. Most of people who work at SolidCore work there part-time and they make an extra 30, 40 grand a year working part-time and that gives them the opportunity to put that money away. So it's make more money and put away more money. And I think discussing what your relationship is with money, you know, how does it make you feel? There's a really great book by Jen Sincero, if you've heard of it, called like, You're a Badass at Making Money. And my favorite like part of that book is she has people write a, a letter to money and she makes people actually talk about it as if you're in a relationship with it. So you're, you're hear people say like, oh, I love when you come around money, but I hate when you leave. Like, I don't know what to do with you when you're here. So I spend you. So it's like really interesting because it really brings out your relationship that you have, you know, with money. Um, and so I think that's like a really great place to start is, what is the relationship you have today? What relationship do you want? And it's a, a couple pronged approach in order to, in my mind, to get more of it. You got to make more, you got to put away more. And then, you know, we can talk later, maybe in the episode around like, what you do once you have money to turn that money into real wealth and real freedom. There was a lot of a lot of gems in what you just said. I want to unpack a couple of things. I'm actually writing a book on relationship with money that I'm really excited about. And when you were talking about the the speaking fees um, and just you know saying five thousand dollars and how that might have felt really um, scary to you, or your body might have tensed up, or you might have felt you know those those emotions around like oh I don't know if I'm I'm worth it. Um, I've had that that same experience, you know, and I think it's really interesting. There are countless scientific studies that, you know, the ages of zero to seven is when we develop our money habits and it's, it's when we're mm-hmm. developing our uh, subconscious mind. And so anything that we've seen or not seen is imprinted into us and we go through life as adults and we're kind of like, why, why do we uh, undervalue ourselves or, you know, why do we think this way about money and not this way? And a lot of it comes from childhood and it's it's not your parents fault or whoever raised you you know they didn't know anything about their relationship with money either but i'm wondering why do we do it and i think especially as women i i can speak to this i know that i so often undervalue my expertise and i'll feel really nervous when i'm talking about money or or how you know a speaking fee or whatever it might be where do you think that that messaging comes from? Is it just from kind of the scarcity environment that we live in? I mean, like, where do we learn this? Is it really just from our childhood that we, that we need to undervalue our worth? 
Yeah, listen, I, so I'm I'm almost 43. I don't know how old you are, but my parents grew up, you know, there wasn't really anybody I can think of in my parents' generation where the woman was the breadwinner. It's really, you know, not sort of something that I can think of. Oh, I have so many examples of that. My mom was actually the breadwinner because my dad is horrible with money. He has a gambling problem. My mom was a teacher, not making a lot of money. So she actually was a breadwinner. But I was used to seeing women's value based off of nurturing, taking care of the family, cooking, planning, cleaning, organizing, you know, sort of in the household is where you saw a lot of women get accolades. So I think for many of us, you know, and it sounds so old school to say that, but again, take us back to when we were kids, that's kind of the way things were back then. So we have a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to unlearn of how we see women's value, you know, in society. And we're still battling with a lot of the gender stereotypes around, you know, oh, just be grateful, you know, um, right. be amenable, don't upset anybody. It's like you, sh- I mean, I can remember, I'll tell you a quick little story of, you know, the nonprofit I was running and when I was asking the board for, you know, my compensation. And we were pretty far apart, if I'm being honest. And I felt as if they were like, looking at me and being like, Anne, you're a single woman, like, this should be enough for you. You know, and I'm like, my response to that was, if you can get somebody in here to do the job that I do, raise the money I raise, the awareness, the profile, and run this organization for the amount that you're trying to pay me, by all means, you have a fiduciary responsibility to do that. And I get it. But this is what I bring to the table. And this is what it costs for me to do what I do. And I think that's a really important aspect of stepping into our power. Because I see a lot of people, Shauna, screw up in this. And they're like, well, I just want to make X amount of money. Well, if you're asking somebody across the table and they're on the receiving end of granting you that, you need to show why that amount of money makes sense for them. So in my speaking engagement, it's like, okay, you know, why do I think that me coming, I'm like, I'm going to inspire the crap out of your employees. I'm going to get them fired up, get them excited. And they have to decide if that's going to be enough value for that company or not. But I had to at least test the waters and see what the response, you know, was, was going to be. But I guess long story short, we're still fighting some gender, you know, some gender roles as it relates around money for sure. Um, and I think women just get a little uncomfortable and and we're afraid to hear rejection or we don't want to be viewed as like greedy or ungrateful. So we step into just saying thank you. Mm, that's really powerful. And I I think it's even though you know, I'm I'm excited for women who are. I'm in my 40s too. I'm excited for you know the women listening to the show who are in their 20s and just kind of starting out their career. And you know, they've they've come up in a society where women are in leadership roles and women are running businesses and women are making money and uh, women are asking for for what you know they're worth. And you know that we had a guest recently on the show, Hannah talking about salary transparency and how she's really mm-hmm. working to kind of push salary transparency. And I don't know about you, but when I was in my 20s or just out of college, the thought of sharing how much money I made, yeah. that number with somebody was like, why would you even do that? That that seems ridiculous. you know. And now younger generations walk around talking about these things. And I think that's really helping this message about talking about money and kind of taking money out of the stigma and the taboo that it's, that it's stuck in. 
Totally. And for anybody who's not an entrepreneur and you are in an, you know, an employment perspective, you know, think like, wait, and I've been on the receiving end of people asking for raises and I can tell you when it's effective. When you're going to ask for a raise and I don't care, it doesn't have to just be a little bit, right? Let's just say, you know, you've been there for two years and you want a $50,000 increase in pay. I don't know what it is. Do the math, right? If you can show, let's just say that you bring in, you know, two and a half million dollars for your company. And this is where I say, knowing your worth is not just about, oh, well, this is what I want to make. And I have 10 years of experience. I'll tell you that like bullshit doesn't matter to somebody across the table. If you're telling me you can produce a million dollars, $2 million, whatever it is for the business, your value goes through the roof. It's your responsibility to know the value and how much money and revenue that you're generating and use that to your favor as far as I'm concerned. But if you just go into a thing and be like, I want a raise, I deserve a raise. I have, as, as someone who's, you know, had thousands of employees that never worked with me, you need to make your argument in a way that makes financial sense for the business. And I'll tell you what, if you're a high producing employee and you really are producing like they will give you a raise. Those people know very well what everybody at the table or in that in that particular place of business is doing to produce money. They know the value that you have. But frankly, again, it's not the boss's ability to tell you that. Like only person who's going to advocate for yourself is you. So when I say know your worth, I'm saying know your impact. Know what you are financially producing and who's at the benefiting side of that. And that's your negotiation tactic. How do you, this may seem like a naive question, but I'm sure somebody listening is thinking this, how do you find out that? How do you know what your financial impact is on a company or business? Yeah. So, you, I mean, listen, some people it's really, it's easier because you might be in sales, right? Some people might be like, I'm in HR. Like, so that's challenging for me. Well, turnover is really expensive, right? You can Google a lot of these things, but if you if you've brought turn let's just say you work in HR and the turnover when you walked in was you know 52% and now it's 41%. You know that 10% there's formulas out there that can help you figure out that like you've saved the company x amount of money by not having to pay any you know severance, not having to retrain people which is expensive. You know a lot of these studies are sort of done out there. Same thing with you know the marketing perspective, right? How many new clients or new customers have you brought to the business? What's the customer acquisition cost that you have, you know, gotten it down for? If it's twenty dollars now, it's fifteen dollars. But again, as an employee, if you don't know your impact to the business and you can't articulate that, in my perspective, you have no business asking for a raise. And it's up to that particular. It's up to you as a person to figure out what your impact is on the business. And the more you can do that and articulate it in terms of numbers, the better chance you are going to get of getting the raise that you that you want. I always say an excellent, a good employee is someone, if I'm paying you 50 grand, you better at least be worth $150,000 to the business, right? And if you're, if you're worth, if I'm paying you 50 grand and you're worth 250, you're way underpaid. If you're producing five times the amount of revenue as your salary is, that's like way underpaid. So anyway, start, start there and figure out your impact um, and how to best articulate that. And that's going to give you a lot of leverage. That's really helpful. And that's kind of a great measurement, I think, to think about. And I want to take it a little bit further and talk about self-worth and self-value a little bit more. You've done a couple amazing TED Talks that I watched. 
And there was one that you did called This Is No, There Is No Way This Will Work. I will, I'll link it in the show notes. And you started out saying that for the majority of your 20s, you didn't have a lot of self-worth or self-value. And then you said this is really, I, I think, was so impactful. When you don't have self-worth or self-value, it's impossible to know what your potential is. I think that's so impactful. It really hit home for me. How do we, gosh, how do we build self-worth or self-value? You know, a lot of us grew up in situations where we were knocked down or talked down upon, or maybe we were in a relationship and it, it was it was a toxic relationship. Maybe we worked for a company where we were um, not valued at all. How do we develop those skills so that we can really stand firm in, in who we are and what we offer? You got you to gotta get back in the game. I mean, that's the only way to build self-worth is by action. You know, it's not going to happen watching TV. It's not going to happen behind a screen. And we we have to put ourselves out there. I'll give you another silly little example. I just told my fiance, I'm like, oh, like I'm going to play like volleyball tonight. And I was like, I'm a little intimidated to go out there with these girls again. Like these girls that I play with are really, really good. And I'm definitely like, I'm decent, but compared to them, I'm probably the worst player out there. The only way I'm going to get better and going to get to play with them is if I put myself through more of that and like deal with the deal with the, everybody here knows I'm the worst player and so do I, but I have to deal with that. If I don't deal with that, I'm never going to play with them and I'm never going to get better. And that goes for hearing rejection in, from your boss. Like your boss might tell you no. Great. The more you, the more you get comfortable with putting yourself out there, the more you're going to be like, okay, cool. At least I tried. But the old adage, right? Like you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's a guarantee. If you don't try, you're guaranteed not to get what you want. But at least if you try, you have a chance. And by doing that, Shana, you're going to get more information. Okay, why did your boss turn you down for a raise? Ask them. You know, try to press and be like, what, what would have, you know, how can I get a raise? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to earn, to go from $80,000 a year to $100,000 a year? And if your boss can't give you an answer, that's not somebody I would ever want to work for because they should be able to tell you what kind of impact you need to make on that company. And if they don't give you an answer, that tells me that that person doesn't know how to run their business. They don't know their numbers. And like, there's not a real clear path for you to get to where you want to go. So confidence comes through action. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want all the time, but it means you're going to build resilience and the no's are going to just have way less impact on you than if you only try once a year and you try once and that's a no, well, then I'm never doing that again. It's like, <laughs> all right. you're, just, you're, never, you're, you're never going to succeed. You just, you got to put yourself out there. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices 
and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot -E -E com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. All right, and it's time to play your relationship with money is game. So first question, if you were to describe your relationship with money as a cartoon character, who would it be? Okay, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Wiley Coyote because... He never gives up on what he wants, even though he doesn't get it every single time. 
Like he's so focused and he's willing to try over and over and over again. All right. Question number two, how many times a day would you say you think about money? Oh my God, Jenna. So lately a lot, which is I'm doing my own work on it, but I probably think about money um, 90 minutes, two hours a day. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Question number three, if you had, this is a little unfair for you because you probably fit in this bucket, but let's just go with it anyway. If you had unlimited funds, where would be the first place that you would spend your money? Um, well, you know, it's not unlimited because there's a, there is a cap or there is a certain amount of money that's there. So the first place that, you know, it's a couple of places. One, um, there's some philanthropy work that I, that I do philanthropy, sharing it with family and friends, which I've done and, um, buying my dream house, which is being built. All right. Question number four, what is your biggest money secret? I think my biggest money secret that I that I've shared that people probably don't know is again like I, I was in credit card debt uh, at 27, which wasn't that long ago for me, um, from stupid stuff like I, you know buying stupid stuff, and um, I just had no education around any any of it, and I think that the secret is just like hopefully it shows people that you can completely change your money situation around um, if you're willing to put the time, energy, and work and education into it. If you don't have any money today, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any money in 10 years if you start to do things differently. I want to talk more about what do you do when you're making the money to build wealth. But before we do, you know, you've you've obviously done a lot in your career and are, are very successful. I'm wondering if there are any money blocks or money fears that you've had to really work through, you know, maybe from your childhood, maybe they originated there, maybe things they've picked up along the way, but anything that you've really had to like press through to get to where you are now? Yes. And, and it's a great question to ask because I think not many people think about money in that way of like what their relationship or emotion is without money. And like, what's your money practice? How do you, people talk about like, oh, I have a yoga practice. You know, I have these different things that I do. I have a therapist. I have these, it's like, what have you done to improve relationship with money? And what is in the first place? So the things that I have to overcome, Shana, like I have two very different parents. I have a dad who doesn't have a dime to his name. And my dad knows this. I talk about it. It's important that we talk about it. He knows I say it publicly, but I, I support my dad financially. And he's my dad lives for today. He doesn't think about tomorrow. There's some beauty in that. And I've learned to accept him. But if my dad gets in financial trouble, I know that I need to be there to help him. And my mom has such a scarcity mindset around money. She Again, she was a teacher. She did a really good job of putting money away and saving money away. But all she did was solidify that notion that I talked about earlier in the in the podcast, which is, oh, money is not meant to be spent. It is supposed to be here. It is in case of emergency only nest egg. So she still lives like she's poor. You know, yeah. she cuts coupons. She will only buy discounted dresses. And I'm like, I didn't want that life. I wanted a life of abundance. I wanted to feel like I can be responsible with my money and have enough away but not think of like, oh my God, diabolical situation. I'm going to need, you know, $50 million just parked away just in case, which is not true. And I wanted to feel like I can go do the things that I want to do and enjoy. And the reason that I know that I'm able to do that is because I trust my ability to make money. 
I trust I'm smart enough to make more money if I need it. And I'm smart enough to not be irresponsible with my money. So, you know, if I need to fly private to where I am in my wealth to North Dakota, that's like, there was like, oh my God, that's that much money because I still had to fight that little girl who didn't grow up with money and like, whatever. But I'm like, no, I can afford this. And it made me uncomfortable. So I did it anyway to see how it felt. And it's like, oh, cool. I need to put myself in these situations, try them out, try them on, because that's the only way I'm going to work through my relationship with money. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I can afford this. I know that I can. Why does it make me uncomfortable? I need to do it and spend it and see if I feel how I feel afterward. Am I, is it making me anxious? Is, is it like, does it, does it go away? So anyway, I, I, I want to have an abundance mindset about money. It doesn't mean I don't have moments of scarcity that pop up from my childhood, but I know that money is freedom to me and I want to live a life of not worrying and being consumed with money and how much I'm spending and saving all the time. It's really interesting. I think it's always fascinating to hear about how people grew up and you know the people who raised them and and you know somebody who's kind of gone through this like trying to examine the role that money plays in your life. I grew up with a mom who had zero attachment to money. I mean, she would have been totally fine living very simplistically and I had a dad who was very concerned about money. He worked in the financial industry and he was always trying to uh, like score the big deal. That was always the the message, but he operated in a framework of complete scarcity. You know, his his yeah. parents lived through the Great Depression, and his mom actually was an entrepreneur. She ran her own hair salon, which back in that time was really bizarre. You know, most women didn't do that, but she worked all of the time because she never wanted to not have money again. That was her like big overriding fear. And so my dad sort of had that as well, even though you know we were very you know, middle class, you know, we had a house and, you know, we, we never really had to worry about money. So that was a complete privilege, but it's interesting still how even in a good situation, there's still a lot of stuff that, you know, I do, um, unconsciously that I'm like, Oh man, like I, I shouldn't say this or I shouldn't do this around money. And it's just, it feels so automatic to me. So it's, I think it's really interesting to explore, um, you know, the role, like you said, the, the role that running money plays in your life. And Shana there, I mean, guys, this is where the tricky part is. I know billionaires who have a scarcity mindset about money and I'm not talking about their, oh my God, they're spending a hundred million. I'm talking about leaving a tip. I'm talking about negotiating over $50, you know, whatever it is. So like, you have to decide if you want to live that way. Are you going to let money run your life or consume you? And again, I have little pieces of that come up. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't this isn't my relationship with money. Where is this coming from? I got to pause here and stop here. But to go back to what you said, you know, so it's working on our relationship with money and our mindset now makes it feel. And then, you know, you talked about creating wealth, and I wanted to just comment on that because there's three there's three ways, right? You can either trade your time for money, which is the least effective way to make money because you only have so much time. You're never, if, if, if people are like, okay, cool, Shauna, I want to work with you, you know, or you need to come to work and work this many hours and I'll pay you by the hour. You're going to run out of hours. You're capped. The second one is trade your brain for, for money. So people are paying you based off of what you know, 
and not based off of, okay, I need you for 10 hours. It's no, I need you for this expertise, which might take an hour. And the third piece is that you're making money while you sleep. I'm sitting here talking to you. You want your money making money for you. And that's how you get into the wealth game. That's how like you're going to get freedom because you are, you are not required to be somewhere to give somebody something. You just are smart with your money from where it is invested and letting it grow over time. So what do you say are some of the keys to making that happen for us? So again, here's what I recommend in the beginning. If you don't have any savings, you have to start there, but you need to know what you're saving for. I am an entrepreneur. I'm going to tell everybody the best bet you can make is on yourself. And I took all of my $175,000 that I had saved over those few years of running and running back on my feet and speaking and whatever, so that when I knew I was going to want to probably do something else later, that I had enough money to back myself. I took all of that money put it in and bet on myself. And that is what generated wealth for me. And once I sold my company and got this you know, big check for about $90 million, now it's like, okay, now what do I do with that money? I need to make, I need to one, preserve that money since it's already there. And now I need to make it grow. So how do I take that money and say, where is it invested? Diversification is the, the, the name of the game in that realm for me. So whether it's real estate, stocks, you know, some bonds, private equity, hedge funds, real estate, like some all of it, things. obviously, all the things you want to, you want to be balanced as you get to different levels. So knowing that like your relationship with money should evolve and change over time based off of how much, you know, that you have. And, you know, I see people do this where they're like, okay, cool. I only need this amount of money. And I'm like, make it bigger. It's not that you don't need that, but tell yourself you are capable of making as much money as you want to. As soon as you tell yourself, oh, I need only 100K in savings, what do you think that you're going to you're gonna manifest that and that's all you're going to think you're able to, to, to get to? So it's like, I'm like, if I want to be a billionaire, I can be a billionaire. I know how to do that. I know how to make money. I never put a cap on myself because as soon as I do that, that's when the scarcity mindset's going to come in. Oh, I only know how to make this much money. I only, I only, this is my cap and I'm not going to be able to move past that. So like, I need to make this last. And that's just like, not, you know, not true if you don't want it to be true. So first things first. Now, again, I'm not a financial advisor. If you've got debt, you need to, you know, I would recommend talking to somebody. There's different kinds of debt. I have mortgage debt. It's great debt to have because it's cheap debt. If you have credit card debt, that's, you know, in the double digits, you know, that, that you're, you're never going to get like that much return on a double digit for the most part. So paying that debt down is in my perspective, really important because you're, you know, the interest is just going to keep accumulating and compounding. But if you've got debt, mortgage debt, you know, two to three, four, five, five, even 6% right now, I wouldn't be in any hurry to pay that down. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward your financial goals, 
and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. This is exactly the conversation I I wanted to have on National Let's Talk About Money Day because we're really just kind of, you know, pulling everything out of the shadow and and talking about this. It's it's why we named the show Everyone's Talking Money. And Kind of piggybacking on what you said, you know, something I talk often about is finding what I call your your happiness number. You know, how much money do you need to live the life that you want to live? And, you know, we'd probably all love to trade spots with you. We'd all love to be sitting here with, you know, millions in our bank account. But, you know, reality is a lot of us might not get to that that part. And, you know, I think society has also let us believe that wealth is solely about a number that it, it isn't mm-hmm. about anything else that exists in our life. So, yeah. I, you know, after all the success you've had, and you know, because we're here talking about money, how do we find our own individual happiness number without putting a cap on ourselves? But but finding you know our our lane and finding you know you know going back to knowing what we're worth and and uh, you know capitalizing on our skills, but also not getting distracted by other people's stories and. And, and not getting maybe upset or feel shame or feel any of those negative emotions that come with money sometimes when we're listening to somebody else's story. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, the reason I share about money from my perspective, so start, first off there, the reason I share about money from my perspective and tell people how much money I've made through entrepreneurship is some people are going to hear that and be like, oh my God, like, why does she have to share that? And you're going to, you're going to think something negative. I can't control that. I hope some people, the reason I share it is that people will be like, 
shit, I can do that too. Like I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't come from money. I didn't know anything about money as 27 years old. And like, I had to do a lot of that work on myself. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I do trust myself to figure things out and work. So like, it's, it's supposed, it's supposed to help people realize guys, if you look at the data, this wasn't supposed to happen to me either. And I will always choose to empower people and serve as a leader and example in a space, especially around money with women that you can make as much as you want. And you need to first believe that before anything else. So that's first things first. So to the happiness number with money, it's like at some point, and they've done research on this too, once your needs are covered and you're putting money away, there's no additional happiness scale that comes along with that. So for me, like I'm, I'm past that. I don't think that wealth and money actually, or sorry, wealth and happiness have a whole lot to do with one another because I know what makes me happy, right? Treating people positively when I can make people's day, even through smiling, good morning, interacting, playing volleyball, being playful with my fiance, learning, um, moving my body, like connecting with my, like those things don't cost that much money. And if you would be like, Hey, Ann, we'll give you another hundred million, but you can't have any of these things. I'd be like, absolutely not. Like you're, you're asking me to trade misery. You want me to be miserable and wealthy for this. So don't conflate, confuse, or conflate those two things over a certain amount. Now, listen, I'm never going to those people who are like, Oh, money doesn't buy happiness. If you are struggling and you are drowning in debt, and financials are ruling your life. Yeah, you're going to be, you know, unhappy and you got to get that financial messiness figured out. But there's not some sort of magic number that once you hit it, you tap a button and you're like happiness just floods all over you and you never have to be sad again. Like it doesn't work that way. And anybody who has that expectation is going to be highly disappointed if they if they get to, you know, get to that number. So, I think it's asking what is it that you want to do? What is it that you're working toward? What it, and, and I mean that, Shana, in a way that like, what do you want your day-to-day to look like? We can sort of think of this fantasy, but like, that's not day-to-day. What do you do day-to-day that drives so much joy, happiness, and fulfillment for you? And I think you'll realize that actually doesn't cost that much money. Most yes. people just don't want to be financially strained and stressed about, about money, you know, that they're like, constantly thinking, talking about it, all their decisions have to be made about it. And I'll say one more example, let you talk. I like the freedom of, if I want to go back to North Dakota tomorrow, like I'm like, oh, cool, I'll book a flight. I'm not like, I can't afford it. The things that I, you know what I mean? Like convenience is important to me, doing what I want when I want. Those were big drivers for me. And like, that actually brings me a lot of happiness because I know if my niece has a volleyball game and I have the time in my schedule to do it, I know the flight cost isn't going to impede me from getting there. So it's things like that, that I would challenge people to be like, where have you seen that financial frustration show up that you've wanted to do something that you've had to say no to? And like, those are the financial goals to start having for yourself of getting to that point where, you know, you want to be able to do what you want when you want. You have done so much in your career. So I just have to ask, like, what's next? What is there, you know, what's like the next, you know, hurdle for you to climb? Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like professionally, I've, you know, I've been a CEO and been at this for 17 years and I'm trying to make some space for new stuff. Like I do a good amount of investing in startups and real estate. I'm writing a book, um, which I'm very excited about that hopefully will help a lot of people 
working out a lot, playing volleyball. And, you know, I've started this new wellness company in New York called Ambition. Um, we have three, uh, two locations. The third one is opening. So I'm, I'm dabbling in a lot. Like, I don't know if I want to, you know, build a massive business again, because it does take a lot of time and energy. And, and when I now I'm almost again, 43, I'm very well aware of my time. I'm very well aware of I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm, I'm agile. And I want to squeeze every single bit of that out of me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be for me in front of a computer, you know, sitting all day working on another thing. I want, I want to be playing. And I feel like that is what's going to bring me the most joy and I worked really hard and sold my business to be able to have the luxury of that choice to make that decision without feeling another sense of like professional obligation right away. I love that answer. I love play. I think we we all need to do to do more play. Well, we have we've talked about so much. You know, what's one thing that you want everyone listening to leave this conversation knowing? It is, you know, stop limiting yourself. Two things: stop limiting yourself on how much money you think you can make. And for a lot of people out there, it's to stop demonizing money. Um, I think when we look at people who are really wealthy, we think that they must be a bad person or they must have gotten their money in an unethical way. And you know, we just sort of make all these uh, assessments or judgments um, on, on people. And again, a lot of those things aren't true. I think I'm a really great great, nice, generous person and really proud about the way that I made money. Um, so it's like erase for most people, they need to erase most of their beliefs that they have around money on their capability to make it the beliefs that they have around it and the negativity that they associate with it about other people. Those are probably the the biggest three things. And I guess it's four. You want, you want one. I'm, I'm never going to say just one, but educate yourself, you guys. Like, don't be afraid of like, oh, I just feel stupid. Guess what? You're always going to feel stupid. You know, read a book, listen to a podcast. Jenna, I, I didn't know. I raised $210 million in private equity. I didn't even know what private equity meant like 10 years ago. So it's either I could have been like, I don't want to feel stupid, so I'm just not going to go down that road. Or I can be like, what does that mean? What does that acronym mean? What does IRR mean? What does preferred return mean? Like, I, I, I was going to learn and educate myself because you will absolutely stay less wealthy or more poor than you need to be without education. I get it. A net worth of $100 million might just feel so unreachable. And for a lot of us, we might never get there. But I think what is so impactful from Anne's story is how she consistently had to work on her relationship with money, even after she made a lot of money. Having negative thoughts and patterns and beliefs about money, they don't run away the minute you make more money. So while you focus on getting paid for your value, because you absolutely need to, let's also focus on your thoughts and feelings around money. To me, that is the life-changing combination. If you want to connect with Anne, the best place to do so is on her Instagram at Anne Malham. I will link that in the show notes. And since this is National Let's Talk Money Day, send this episode to everyone you know so we can all start talking money. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. <music> 